It's Friday night and the mood is right. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. All right, welcome to week 101 of the two guys in the Friday's podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. You ready for awesome con tonight, Steve? I am ready. I mean, uh, no, I'm not. I guess I'm ready enough. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Tonight, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, um, if you have or if you want to buy a, a pass to come see us, we're going to be at the, uh, the little Comic-Con convention. I mean, it's a big Comic-Con convention. Uh, awesome yeah, Con, uh, The convention center right there in D.C. And uh, we're going to be going on at 5.45 p.m. tonight, Friday. And uh, come see us. Are we sure about the five? What's our room number? We're in what? 102? I don't know. <laughs> You don't remember? Um, hold on. Yeah. Oh, uh, did I put you on the spot? I wasn't ready. I'm looking it up. I'm looking. It up. I've got the Comic Con. It's on here. our on. everything. Like any Friday. Let's see. I don't even see us on the schedule anymore. Oh, yeah, that's that's why because it's not the right thing. Oh, 103 was it? Yeah, 103. 103. 5:45. Yep. Yep. Confirming all at, that. At the uh, at the convention center. So this, so that's today. The, today is the day. If you're listening to this today, that it comes out Friday the twentieth. Come see us at, at Comic Con, Awesome Con. Yep. And if you are uh, listening to this before, like the day of, and you want to follow along, uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, Family Matters episode where Steve Urkel goes into step by step. Like so, those those two episodes back to back. The two crossover episodes, which are season three, episode two of Family Matters. And, and season, season one, one episode two, two right, of yeah. Step by Step. Yep. And, and so, you know, those those seasons are kicking off here in the next few weeks anyway. So we figured they'd be fun to talk about. People remember them. People like to talk about them. And then we'll just patch them in. Yep. So uh, that and that. And follow us on all social media if you're not doing that at TGIF Cast. Thanks to uh, Big Tia for the theme song this week. Yeah, Big Tia. Thanks so much. And uh, what else is going on? Email address, two guy, or TGIFcast at gmail.com. And uh, go to our YouTube channel. Whenever we have new videos up, we will let you know. But uh, YouTube, just search Two Guys Into Fridays. Yep, that's where we are. All right, so um, we do go back and look at what was going on in the world 30 years ago. Uh, not a whole lot of like news that I thought anyone would find like interesting or anything. But on August 20th, 1991... Uh, Dan Marino passed Joe Montana as the highest paid NFL player with a five-year extension. Guess how much money? Five-year extension. I'm guessing he was making five, 25 million total, five million a year. Exactly right. Not even like a dollar off. 25 million, yeah. five a year. People are making like so much more money than that now. <laughs> We've had a number of these where it's been like so-and-so broke the record for their contract. And it's like, that's what entry-level players get just for showing up nowadays. Cur- I don't know, I'm not saying five million a year is what that, but it, you know, same kind of idea. I got to find out the current uh, highest paid NFL player. What do you think it is? Qu- quarterback? Per year. Per year. No, any player. Per year. I don't, I don't really know. I don't follow much in sports. If I had to guess, I'd probably say, what, 20 million a year? Oh, that's a 29. Uh, hey, 21 million a year. Is that what you said? I said 20. Yeah. Yeah. Who is that? Who, who's let's say? Well, this article is a little old. There might be a new, like, uh, there might have been, like, another contract signed since then. But, uh... Oh, this one, no, okay, no, so no, 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 I just no, searched no. highest paid no, NFL it's high, player. It's higher than 21. It's higher than 21. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is making 45 million a season. Yeah, 45 million a year. He's 
It's ridiculous. Why play more than one year? Just he's, make your 45 and get he out. He signed a 10-year, $450 million deal. Yeah, good for him. I don't even know if he's any good, but obviously he's, he must be. He's good. Uh, they probably okay. should have won the Super Bowl last year. But okay. Um, all right. So what about uh, movies and music? Anything new this week? Uh, no, nothing new. And just to kind of put a, put a date on these. So yeah, th- yeah. this episode would have aired August 23rd, 1991. Uh, but yeah, no changes. Still um, hot shots and still everything I do, I do it for you by Brian Adams. But we do have a number of birthdays. Yeah, all right, let's week. hear them. Yeah, we got a few. So Monday the 16th, Mr. Reginald Vell Johnson of Family Matters. We all know we all know Carl uh, Winslow's happy birthday, Reginald. Um, the 17th, Tuesday, was Brighton James, who is, is Richie on Family Matters. So it's a Family Matters birthday week. Didn't uh, we talk about... Um, Winslow last week? Uh, 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 Grandma Winslow was last week. Oh, man, they're all having birthdays. Yeah, it's all right here. Um, and then the 19th yesterday, Thursday, Mr. John Stamos. Happy birthday, John. Hopefully we'll see you at a convention, have you on the show. I know I always forget your name when I have to like say Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, and I'm like, oh, who's that other guy? But it's always it's John Stamos. I heard so they had a pretty good John. panel at uh, some con they were at over the weekend, last weekend. I think it was in Orlando. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. So that's cool. Cut a little short because they took a little extra time at their uh, their signing table, but uh, whatever. I heard and, it was know, good. I'd rather, I'd rather them be face-to-face with the fans than up on a, on a stage. That's cool. Yeah, I'd rather them be on stage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, there you go. All right. So uh, you want to get in the episodes? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this week we are talking about uh, one of the Dinosaurs episodes, the next one in line, and then we're also going to do the uh, the final TGIF episode of Hi, Honey, I'm Home, right? That's correct, the last one. So this is Dinosaurs, the next one in line, whatever number you go by. It's called... Split. Season 2, episode 11. Yeah, if you go by that, switched at birth. Um, it starts off, we get our little like shot that we see a lot on Dinosaurs where they're watching TV, and uh, this is uh, DTV, which is pretty much MTV, what, what we know of, well, what we used to know of, because they actually played music back in the 90s still on MTV. <laughs> That's true. They did used to still play music. And then into the early 2000s. I, I, I saw um, a weekly like television planning guide for MTV the other day of like every set scheduled show for the entire week. There is uh-huh. two and a half hours of music in an entire week. In an entire week? An entire is week. it from like 12 to 1230 at night? Yeah. It, it, no, it's like uh, like 8 to 10 in the morning or something. Like one gotcha. t- one day. That's for an entire week. <laughs> I used to all be music. Yeah. Now it's – and I want to say – so I don't know how many weeks are in um, – or how many hours are in a week. You could probably do that math for me. 24 by 7, so it's at 140, like 169-ish. So if it's 169-ish, like 150 of those are ridiculousness. And I'm not even kidding. I feel like we're, we went, didn't we go somewhere recently and we turned on the hotel TV and it was just all ridiculousness the entire time? So literally, we're, it's ridiculousness the entire week, except they're, on the weekend they play like six to eight movies, like actual movies, and then three nights during the week there's a half hour that's something else and all of the rest is ridiculousness don't they have that reality show too that like um... well yeah that plays one time during the week for a okay. half hour or an hour it's ridiculous okay. it's crazy um so yeah, anyways they're watching this is dinosaur tv though where it's all music all the time they're watching dtv um 
the announcer's talking. I don't know if he's supposed to be like Kurt Loder or something, but uh, he's talking about like macho idiot rock, and Robbie's the one that's watching the TV, and uh, they've got uh, Lizard Skizzard on, which of course is Leonard Skinner, and uh, they play a music video for a song called Better Than You. Uh, it, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better. I'm better than you. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's funny because I mean, I don't know. They they did a whole music video just for this this little clip of the show. I I, I enjoyed well, it. It was cool. And it, so Macho Idiot Rock is brought to you by beer. Just oh, yeah, beer. That's right. Brought to you by beer. Baby's watching too, which I think is important to point out. Yeah. And as um, they're watching, this is when Fran comes in and tells them, well, turn it down. There's a couple other things about the song I think are important. Okay. Because they, they, they have like the little like title card or title thing in the corner, like music videos had, used to have, I don't know uh-huh. if they still do. But this name of the song, like you said, I'm Better Than You from the album, You're Worse Than Me from the movie soundtrack. I never thought you were that great to start with. Uh, <laughs> Or put out on Ego Records and Tapes. Yeah, I didn't catch any of that. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, they're watching this music video. Fran comes in. She tells him to turn it down. She says she doesn't like it anyways. Bad example for uh, for everyone. And uh, there's some joke here about, like, Baby, like, getting a bunch of stuff from it, right? Like He says, like, excuse me, he says, like, beer, cigarettes, and girls potato or chips or something like, like that. Yeah, something like that. And she's like, wait. Robbie's like, you, pick, you must have picked that up somewhere else. And then Robbie's like, oh, he could have got that from anywhere. But, uh, right. So we also find out it's baby's first birthday. That's kind of like the big theme that's going to be going throughout this episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Earl comes in. He is ready to spoil baby. Is it his birthday today or is it like tomorrow? I, I think it's just generally his birthday Birthday's, for the episode. It's his birthday. And yeah. uh, Earl's bought him a gift. He unwraps it. It's a baseball bat. And then he just makes no sense. No sense. Just starts pounding Earl over the head with it. Not the mama as we uh, have grown to love. And uh, ends up concussing Earl where he's knocked out for a while. Yeah, he actually knocks him out. Why, what did Earl think was going to happen? Um, he's going to play baseball with this kid, right? Okay. It's an already gift. So he knocks him out. He starts to come to. Baby hits him again, knocks him out again. So Earl's out for a while this time. And while Earl is out the second time, the rest of the family is like going through Baby's stuff, like throwing away old clothes. And while they're doing this, uh, Charlene pulls out baby's nest, right? Right. The nest that Fran made for when he was still in an still an egg. So for her to like, you know. Yeah. So nest, she's like reminiscing about like baby as an egg and like everything she did. And then Charlene looks at the underside of the nest and realizes there's a tag on it. And it's not actually their nest is what it seems like. Like there's another family that says return this nest. You can mail it, postmark it. It's free or whatever. And uh, now there's a dilemma. What happened? Why do we have this nest? Is this baby actually our baby? Yeah, this nest might belong to, or appears to belong to, Gus and Glenda Mohill. Molehill. Molehill. So, uh, there's also a little flashback here, because they're talking to uh, Fran about how could this happen, and she's like, well, back at Lamaze class, and then there's like this uh, flashback where she's like remembering that there was an earthquake that happened during class one time, and the two eggs kind of like rolled towards the center of the floor. And there is a possibility that these two moms might have gotten the eggs mixed up. And and I, I kind of lost a little bit here with the egg versus the nest because we're finding out the nests were exchanged, but the flashback shows the eggs getting mixed up. Yeah. I'm not really sure how the nest got got involved in this, but I'll take them for what it is. Yeah, I, I felt the same thing. So... They um she goes back and now we're talking to Earl and Earl 
loves the idea of maybe having the wrong baby. He spins it very well. He does almost like a Larry Appleton here where he's like, it's it's awful. This might this is so bad that another baby potentially is out there that is ours. It could be, you know, different and and, and almost better than our baby. It's our only our it's our obligation to call the other family to let them know that this awful thing might have happened that we we might have their baby. But yeah. the entire time he's like really saying it because he, he's hoping that there is a different baby out there that is his. Yeah. So Earl decides he's going to call this other family um, and we don't see that happen, but we do hear the doorbell ring a little later and the other family has now arrived. Um, the dad comes in. The first thing you notice is the dad's like a pinkish orangish color, which all right. So this baby and also sounds a lot like Jason Alexander. Is that who it is? Again? Yeah. So this is the second character. Unless the first character was the same guy. Just that was his job. And now this is him as a person. Yeah, so there's like a few things. I mean, one, the color. Uh, that One mm. baby's green, the other's pink. And okay, something might be weird here. Two, this dad uh, is saying all the same like quote lines that baby says. He's saying like, not the mama. and mm-hmm. uh, He talks repetitively, so he'll got, say like the same gotta thing. Gotta love me, gotta love me. So yeah. it seems like maybe these babies did get uh, switched and... Uh, the other baby, like I said, is green. And it's funny, too, because it's like the exact same puppet, just painted green instead of pink. Not only is he green, but he's also wearing a red and black checked flannel oh, shirt, just like Earl. He's got on the exact outfit that Earl has on. Um, So Earl goes over and he's talking to this new baby. I think we learned Aubrey is the baby's name at this point. Right, Aubrey. And uh, this baby's completely opposite of the baby that we know. Like, super nice, and he's polite, and he seems like mm-hmm. he's been, like... Well-spoken. Yeah, like, knows how to say complete sentences, and uh, both dads seem like they're ready to exchange babies immediately because the other bad, uh, other dad's having fun with baby being on his shoulders and just beating the crap out of his head, and uh, that's what he right. wants. Earl has what he wants, and... Uh, both dads are ready to switch, but Fran wants absolute proof that uh, these are the right babies. Well, Fran's not, Fran has that motherly connection to baby, and it's like, I don't care. I want, I want, an, if we're going to switch babies, we need more than just the fact that they look like the other people. Yep. So she says she wants absolute proof, and then we go to the absolute proof <laughs> laboratory. I love it. That was a good one. And uh, they're going to do a bunch of tests on these babies to find out which baby belongs with which family. And they start off with like this electric chair where they have like um, a hat that's sending like electrical currents. And of course the pink baby that we know is loving it. The other baby's hating it. And then all these other tests, that seems like they're trying out to like go to the moon or something like it's NASA. Like they put them through like a spinning chair and like an underwater like, yeah. chamber. And a tank. Uh, yeah. So the doctor comes out, he says he's got the results, before he gives him, he needs their credit card information or get get that approved. And eventually he comes out and says, yes, these two babies have been switched. So they so they each take home their now respectively new baby. Yep. Uh, we go to Sinclair House um, where the sign has been changed. It no longer says happy birthday baby. It now says happy birthday Aubrey. And Earl is uh, talking to the baby, trying to play games and... Uh, Starts by playing peekaboo with Aubrey, which... Uh, well, no, that's not correct. No? Okay. He starts by trying to play catch with him. Oh, and like hits him in the face? Hits him in the face, and he gets a bloody nose. Evidently, he's had a couple bloody noses already. And then he goes into peekaboo, and Aubrey freaks out, has an anxiety attack, is terrified that Earl has left him and that he is all alone. And we basically what we're finding out here is that Aubrey is it's kind of frail, kind of fragile, sensitive. He's a, he's a wuss. Uh, he's a wuss. Okay, he's a wuss. And uh, he like he even needs his inhaler for like getting too scared playing. He has uh, asthma. You can't blame the kid for having asthma. I mean, you can 
I'm blaming him for something. Um, so Fran comes in. She's still sad. She was out shopping for uh, this new Aubrey baby. And I uh, had to buy like all this special like dietary stuff. Yeah, and, like, it's very, very specific request. And uh, we can tell we know for sure Fran is uh, definitely missing the old baby. Yeah, she gets upset because Earl talks about how her baby is having his one year birthday and she thinks of, of baby baby, not Aubrey. And so she starts to cry. The rest of the family comes in. They're upset. The only one that's happy about the situation they're in is is Earl because he loves having a baby that doesn't beat him on the head with anything. Yeah. And while this is going on, like the family being sad, Earl being happy with it, uh, the other mother from Aubrey's first family, I guess, shows up. Glenda. Yeah, Glenda Molehill. She shows up and uh, she wants to switch the babies back. Um, both moms do, actually. Like, uh, they both want she the baby, baby that they've had for a year and uh, the dads both want to keep them. But I almost think Glenda, Glenda doesn't necessarily want her baby back as much as she just wants to get rid of baby. Oh, okay. Because she just thinks he's horrible. He's He ate the cat. He threw up everywhere. He's just a terror and she doesn't want anything to do with it. So she's like, I want to switch back. Yeah, and as all this go, is going on, uh, Robbie comes up with a solution. He stands up and says, Solomon the Great needs to settle this. Yep. Which, Solomon uh, the Great. It was the... Um, now, obviously, this is the same story, like the bi- biblical story, right? King Solomon, yeah. King Solomon. I, I couldn't remember if he was the king or what he was, but uh, anyways. Yeah, yeah. he was the king. They go visit Solomon the Great. He's in the woods. They make a little joke about him not, not having, having a, house. a house. Which I thought was funny. It's like, because he, he doesn't have like, it, I didn't know what to put. Like, they are at Solomon's circle in the middle of the woods because he doesn't have like a cave or a hut or anything. So, also to note, Solomon is played by Michael Dorn, who most people would know as Worf on Star Trek. Oh, okay. Movie. Um, so Someone we probably will see at a convention. He's at a lot of conventions. Is he there tonight? Tonight or no? I don't think they have any star. I think the only Star Trek person they have is uh, William Shatner. No, they've got uh, what's his name? Um, oh, gonna kill me now. Sulu. Oh, okay. What? What's his? What's his? Ugh, George Takai? Yeah, he's uh, he's there. Oh, I missed that. I just I just saw uh, I just saw William Shatner. He might have got announced while you were out of town. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. So this is pretty much the the King Solomon story now. We've got Solomon the Great. He suggests they cut the baby in half. And um, as he's doing this, though, this is where we get the little funny dinosaurs change where there's a poof of smoke. um, There's some flashing lights. And then (laughs) it turns into the Solomon the Great magic show. Where he's now yeah, this like, was a good shift. I really appreciated this. Yeah, shift. he's like got his little like uh, magical outfit on. He's got his assistant, and uh, he brings up uh, baby for a magic trick where he's going to put baby in a magical box, shove some blades through him, and cut him in half. And each family gets half of the baby. Yep. So Solomon's assistant Ramona comes over. Uh, she brings the blades, and they're just about to cut baby in half when Earl steps in stops uh, Solomon and Fran comes over and says that they would rather have the other family take baby rather than killing him and cutting him in half. Yeah. I mean, this is King Solomon's story, but Solomon says, Oh, sorry, it's too late. And too late. Uh, shoves the blade through baby, cutting him in half. <laughs> baby loves it. Yep. Baby says again. So we've got half the baby waist down, half the baby, just his head and his arms. And, uh, Earl goes over and talks to the bottom half, which is what they are given, and uh, promises to love him no matter what. In however many pieces he in, he's in. While the other family says, "All right, let's take Aubrey and get out of here." 
Yeah, they're like, we want the whole baby before that one ends up getting cut in half. They can have both halves of this baby. So um, the other family leaves. Um, Solomon, is this where he, uh, I'm a little mixed up. This is where the whole, this is where it all comes together. Where Solomon says, that's what I was, well, Earl says, I'll love you no matter how many pieces you're in. I will take you home if you're in a thousand pieces. It'll take a little bit more trips, but I will love you no matter what. And that's when Solomon says, that's what I wanted to hear. I want it, you know, unconditional love is the true indicator of, of a parent and you have expressed unconditional love for this child. So he, I will put him back together and he will be yours now. And then uh, one final magic trick from Solomon the Great. He is able to make the doctor from the laboratory appear and the doctor comes out and says, well, we had a mix up at the lab. Uh, both of the babies are right. And then that's the end of the episode. Which I really appreciate it because the whole thing was going to be, you're going to leave this situation where baby is, is, not the real baby. They just have decided to keep the baby as their own. But, and Fran says, we, we need some resolution on this part of it. And so having the doctor come back and say, it was all a mix up. He is your baby. <laughs> was a nice, it was good to, to keep mix up from happening later on or anything like that. Yeah. 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 All right. So um, that's dinosaurs for this week. Uh, then we get into hi, honey. I'm home season one, episode six. The name of the episode is the mini loves of Mike Duff. And this is, like we said earlier, the final episode of this show that airs on TGIF. If you want to continue yep. watching it, uh, go find a Nickelodeon podcast because they'll be talking Nick and about Knight, this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This. Yeah. And so, and I guess it comes. Or it, without saying it, I guess it's understood that this is also the season one finale. So this is season one finale. It's no longer on on TGIF, like you said. Season two airs exclusively Nick and Knight on Nickelodeon. So it starts off with, like we've learned, with this little old clip from the actual show, Hi, Honey, I'm Home in Black and White. And uh, it was, I don't know if I missed, like, the tie-in on this, but um, it starts off with Lloyd. He has uh, purchased Honey tickets to a show, right? Perry Cuomo. Yep, this Friday night. Um, Chucky comes home. We find out his baseball team won his game. And then they say, like, is there a joke here where she's like, oh, we got to go to the baseball field and get good seats to the show or something? Well, the joke is, it's not so much a joke. It's that the baseball team playoffs is the same night as the, the Perry Cuomo concert. So she has to choose between the Perry Cuomo concert or the baseball game. And being the good family, sitcom family uh, they are, okay. she, of course, chooses her son, her son's baseball game to go to instead of the Perry Cuomo. So she chooses what's good for the family and somebody else as opposed to what is good for her and what she wants. Got it. I don't know why I was trying to figure out in my head. I must have missed something like, is the concert at the baseball field? And they're like, <laughs> no, 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 no. She has, it's just that she has to choose between the two, which, you know, is what the episode's about. Okay. Uh, so after our theme song, we come back, we go to the Duff's house. Elaine is on the phone and uh, they are talking uh, well, she gets off the phone, I guess, and then her and Skunk are talking about Mike because he's just been trying on his tux nonstop. He is ready for homecoming, and uh, they've got to give him a little, um, I don't know, time because he's excited. This is his first ever formal dance. This might be the most like continuous conversation that we've had with Skunk so far. Yeah, I, I think it's I a lot. It's that. a lot of Skunk, and I like that. I don't mind it. I like that kid. He's a good actor. Yeah. So uh, Mike eventually comes downstairs wearing his tux. Uh, Skunk jokes that he looks like a waiter and tells him to give him his table. And then uh, we find out, um, I don't think we knew this from the episode before, that uh, he's no. going to be going to homecoming with Babs. Exactly, yep. And of course, Skunk's, Skunk's like, how did you pull that off? And uh, we know what's going on. So, Well, Skunk also gets to the point of why that happens is that, that Mike asked her months ago and she just told him yes 
the day before, which means that she obviously didn't have a date. And so Mike was her last option to have a date for homecoming. So from the uh, Duff's house, we go to the Nielsen's house. We've got Honey and Babs. They're um, on the couch talking about homecoming and stuff. Lloyd comes home, and he's got great news for the entire family. There is a chance that their show, Hi Honey, I'm Home, is going to be picked up, syndication, reruns. There's a time slot open, but they don't have it yet. They are up against the Bradys for who's going to get this last time slot. Yeah, yeah, and he's all, he's finding this all out because he got a letter from the sitcom relocation program. Um, and in order to figure out who is going to take that time slot, they have to send an inspector to come and do an inspection of the Nielsens to see if they are appropriate for the time slot, if they're the best option that they have. And do we find out right here, too, that um, if they do get this time slot, they're going to be moving like back to Springfield? No, we don't find That's that later. out till later. All right, yeah, we don't find spoiler that out alert, something's coming up. <laughs> um, so... Mike comes in at this point. They decide he's going to help um, help them like do some practice for this inspection. Mike will play the inspector. The family's going to kind of show that they're the perfect TV family and that they are perfect for this time slot. So they yep. um, they use the turnerizer for the inspection. They need to be well, in black and white. Yeah, they so the, and that's I think that's key to mention there is that they have to be in black and white for the inspection. And uh, they just go through a little practice um, showing Mike what they're going to show this inspector, that they're TV ready. Like uh, Babs has baked a cake and Chucky's got some more merit badges from mm. Scouts. And uh, I don't remember what Honey and Lloyd. Lloyd had like just gotten home from work and was changing into you know his, his evening clothes so that showing that he's got a job and he's doing all the dad stuff. Um, Mike says, of course, the family is perfect. Um, this is exactly what TV needs. And... Uh, I guess this is where this is where they tell Mike. Yep, he asks what would happen. What happens if they if they pass? Yeah, and if they get accepted, they're going to be moving back to Springfield tomorrow, like immediately tomorrow. right after this inspection. So Mike's sad, of course. He he loves the Nielsens. He goes back home, and he actually tells his mom, "Hey, this is the reason I'm sad because uh, the Nielsens are not real people. They're from a TV show, and they're going to get sucked back into the cable box and have to move back to back to their Springfield town." Yeah, which took no prompting really from his mom, except for to say, "Hey, what's wrong?" And I always knew that he was kind of a loose cannon. I figured he was a loose cannon. <laughs> so this is the first time we've actually had this problem. We knew it was coming as we've been watching the first five episodes. Something is going to happen. Mike has to give up the secret at some point, and it's the quickest way possible. He just tells his mom what happened. Luckily, it sounds as crazy when he's saying it as it is. So yeah, because his mom has no clue what he's talking about. Yeah, he's, she's yeah. like, "What are you talking about? How could they?" I guess no one watched Ty Honey, I'm Home except for Mike, right? I mean, he kind of set they they kind of set that up early in the show that it was like a cult show, like cult classic show, like didn't have a lot of viewers. Um, Mike seems to be one of the only people that really kind of still remembers it. So I mean, they they kind of set up early that it wasn't a very highly watched show back in the day. Yep. So uh, we go over to the Nielsen's house. Um, Honey's in the kitchen. Elaine shows up and wants to uh, talk about Mike, right? About Because she's just been told this weird news from Mike, and she's trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And we... She's also worried that Mike is just too too attached and trying to figure out a way for them to kind of have that conversation, you know, him and Honey and everybody. Yep, she tells uh, Honey what Mike told her about the family, and uh, Honey, of course, is, like, playing it off, and Elaine doesn't really, like, make the connection, I guess. it's No, not at all. It's kind of a weird scene, but we also find out here that um, if anyone else finds out, so we know that Mike knows the secret. 
if anyone else finds out the secret, they can't go back. Like, they yeah, there's a lot of continuity things in this episode that really kind of throw me off. Um, and this is one of them. Why is Mike an exception? I mean, I understand that to me, the rule is if anyone finds out, they can't go back. Mike is found out. So what, why is, why does that, why is he allowed to well, find out? But I'm guessing that like, they're keeping it a secret that Mike found out. Like they're not like if it gets out to the world, like to somebody specific, then and maybe they're worried that like if um if Elaine also knows, then more people know, and then the secret <sighs> will really get out. That's what I'm going with. I don't know. This seems this th- things start to unravel a little bit here for me. Yep. So Elaine, I think leaves. Um, Lloyd comes in. Honey's freaking out. She tells Lloyd about um everything with uh, Mike telling Elaine the secret and. Lloyd's like, don't worry, I'll handle it, especially because uh, our show used to follow Dragnet. Cut to uh, Lloyd interrogating Mike under a hot light. Yep. Uh, he's got like the lamp held up right to his face. Yeah, interrogating yeah. Classic. Him. Um, Mike, uh, Mike's upset, of course, and says that they're the best thing that's ever happened to him, which we've heard plenty of times through this show. And uh, the family tries to apologize to him. And uh, he's still sad, Mike, and eventually leaves. And while he leaves, grabs the Turnerizer as a last-ditch effort to keep them uh, right next door to him. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to note that Mike's just really upset that they're leaving. And he even says, "Can I go with you? I can be the wacky neighbor. You know, is there anything I can do so I don't have to like be without you all?" And like you said, he he, he kind of distracts them as he's about to exit, and then steals a Turnerizer off the table. Yeah, and like we said in the beginning of this episode, we know that the show has to be in black and white to the inspection. Yeah, go through the inspection, and since. Uh, Mike has stolen the Turnerizer. They're not going to be able to do that. So we know this is going to be a problem. Mm. So um, we then go back to the Duff's house um, where we see Mike in the chair. He's watching TV late at night. And uh, we go into like a little dream sequence, right? Right. Yeah, he goes black and white into a dream sequence. Um, he's, he's like looking for the remote, finds the Turnerizer, hits the Turnerizer button, and ends up, not for real, but in the dream, turning his family into, like, the Nielsen's, kind of. Like, everyone's... Yeah. Uh, like Elaine's got, like, her hair done up. She's in the outfit. She's got cookies or something, some kind of something she's made, and the whole deal. Yeah, and then she... They go into the kitchen and uh, pull off, like, the little lid for dinner, and it's Skunk's head under a platter. <laughs> right. And then at the door, it's the Nielsen's, and they're all zombies trying to get the Turnerizer back. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, so, of course, Mike's all, like, going crazy in his dream. Uh, his mom wakes him up, and uh, Mike knows what he has to do. He has to go back to the Nielsen's house and return the Turnerizer. Yeah, and he runs out the door, doesn't even tell his mom, just says, I gotta go give something back to them. That yeah, up. it's like 6.30 in the morning at this point, too. And, right, right, uh, right. they, I think Babs opens the door, if I remember right. Yeah, Babs is in the kitchen when Mike comes in, and the whole kitchen is just a disaster, Obviously, you can tell that they've just been they've been turning the house upside down looking for the Turnerizer, and we find out that the inspection is in thirty minutes. Yeah, and uh, the whole family thanks Mike for finding it once he uh, gives it back, and then uh, Mike's like, "Oh no, I didn't find it. I actually, I actually stole it." Yeah, because he you know doesn't want them to go. Uh, he gives Babs her corsage for the uh, dance and uh, wishes everyone good luck, but of course, uh, he leaves still upset about everything. But the Nielsens, they kind of have a little plan as well. Yeah, when he leaves, they kind of all realize how much Mike means to them, how much they mean to Mike, and 
they have this whole conversation of, you know, if we really are the perfect family, is going back on TV the right thing to do? Or should we be here to help the people that care about us and we care about? So um, I think Chucky asks if they're still going to do the inspection or maybe it was Lloyd, but uh, she's like, yeah, we're still going to do it, but uh, we've got a little plan or whatever. So we're going to do it a little bit differently. Yep. So we go right to the inspection at this point. Um, They show Honey come into the room. She's dressed in like this uh, leopard outfit with leather jacket on over top of it. Um, It's very Peg Bundy. Yeah, it is. Almost even the hair too, right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. Chucky comes in. He's wearing a biker jacket. Um, He's got a brand new tattoo on his chest that he shows off. And uh, Babs comes in. She's pregnant now. It's like 10 months pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. And then Lloyd comes downstairs wearing a dress for some reason. I don't even know why. Yeah, it's wearing Babs' uh, homecoming dress. Yep. Um, So this is all happening like while the inspector's there. They're trying to talk to him. He's like, oh, no, you guys aren't going to pass this. There's no way. And Mike has, for some reason, walked in. While this, this was kind of weird going on. Too. Yeah, he's kind of like stuck his head in the door. Um, the inspector tells him that they didn't get the spot. Um, Mike tells the inspector, though, that uh, you have to put these guys on. They're the perfect TV family. Um, he tells them that uh, it's already it's too bad. We went with money and put the uh, Robert Goulet infomer- infomercial on instead. Well, what the point that Mike makes, though, is they're the perfect family because within 30 minutes and the oh, yeah, yeah. time frame of a sitcom, they actually got a whole plot together to try and fool the inspector got with costumes, costumes etc. They basically put together a mini episode of the show, all all encapsulated in the 30 minutes, which proves that they're very capable of being a sitcom family. Yep. But the uh, inspector says it's too late. They've already found their, their fill-in. They're going to put infomercials on instead. And the inspector even says, uh, after he hears a car horn outside, the Brady's are actually in the car. They didn't get the spot either, but they invited him over for brunch. So this is also something that didn't make it. Well, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up in a second. Like, why are they in a car outside? Or well, well, so they're, they, you hear the honk. They're gonna take the, the Brady's are gonna take him to brunch. But then Ann B. Davis, who was Alice in the Brady Bunch, walks in, and she's kind of just rubbing in the face of the. You know, she's like. She's like, we're we're on uh, we we're on reruns twenty four hours a day, and uh, there's no way that uh, they wouldn't give us a spot because we're always on, no matter what. We're always on the TV, and uh, the Brady's kind of rule television right now, is what she says. And uh, after this, um, the inspector, or I guess uh, what the Brady's are in the car. Family Mike hug. Uh, Bab says that. Um, She's only got eight hours for the dance, and uh, she's got to get ready. And Dad, you got to take off my dress if uh, if that's the case, because I got to get ready to go to the dance. So that's kind of like the end of the main part of the episode, and uh, then we get to our after scene. Honey and Alice are there. They're talking about just like shows being canceled and their show being canceled, and uh, reruns in general. Just a little, I don't know. It's just a joke about how popular the Bradys are, and Alice talks about having her own memoir book published and then that's the end of the episode yeah i mean so that's the end of the episode that's the end of hi honey i'm home for tgif end of the season we have the rest of the episode so if you want to if you want to watch them steve i don't i mean not for the show but just for yourself we have them. i might i might watch some of them yeah we'll see um just to wrap up don't forget we're at uh, awesome con tonight in dc come find us 5 45 p.m room 103 we and tonight is, is is Friday the 20th, just so everyone knows. We'll be there doing the show. And uh, again, follow us on all social media at TGIFCast. Shoot us an email, TGIFCast at gmail.com. Thanks to Big Tia for the theme song again this week. 
Yeah, and we don't know what we're doing next week yet. We might have an interview. We might watch some more dinosaurs. It's a all reruns week, so we'll yeah, let you know. We'll, we'll, we'll do our best, and if we're going to watch shows, we'll post it on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and let you know what we're going to watch. So that way, if you do enjoy following along with us, watching the shows before we talk about them, we'll try to post them up there for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so let's go get ready. we got to hop on a train and uh, head to D.C., <laughs> and then uh, we'll be there tonight. All right, man. Have a good week, Steve. You got it, dude. It's Friday night, and the mood is right. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. TGIF Podcast.